0: Church podcast. My name is Max Turman. I am in a hurry, and with me this week is Big Bearded Daniel Rod, Big Bearded, (laughs) Modestly Bearded Scott Reed, and Never Bearded Bill Muffin Cow. Muffin Man. (laughs) Daniel, will you pray for us, please?
1: Yeah. Dear God, thank you for today, thank you for just another opportunity to just talk about you and learn more about you. Lord, I pray that everything that is said, everything that is heard during this podcast would glorify and honor you, and that at the end of this conversation, we would all, listeners included, um, feel closer to you, get a clearer picture of who you are, and let that inspire us and give us joy for the rest of the day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. That oh, worked it. so well, Bill. I got to ask you to hype me up every every <laughs> week. Because Some weeks I'm like, I got to like manufacture. And I just ask oh, you and you'll be like, oh, fuck. let me pass you a Coca-Cola. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> give us some would you rather questions. Ding. All right. There's a listener mail. <laughs> listener bottle. mail water bottle. <laughs> oh, we do have listener mail this week, but I forgot to put it in my notes. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, now I'm prepared. I
2: can just <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know that I've seen this card before. So we're going to do making a decision on the fly. Mm -hmm. We're going to do Would You Rather Toastmasters of course meets Would You Rather Randomized. Oh, mama. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what that means is that uh, it's not going to be totally randomized. What I'm going to do is uh, let me just double check something real quick. All right. The ethics one is fine. Can
0: I tell you? Can I tell? Well, no, go on. I have a oh, you, story. You say something. I have, I have a story. This. Okay. So I am super, I've never, what well, I think the term is fangirled. I've never fangirled about something, I think in my life, like just been so wired about a concept, mm-hmm. um, but my favorite band uh, possibly ever is is a band called the Grey Havens that I got introduced to maybe about a year and a half ago. Uh, it's part of Renee and I getting together, and they are collectively between the two of us our favorite band as well. Um, God willing, if we get married, the dream is that they would they would do one song at our wedding. That would be like crazy. And the thing about Renee is that mm-hmm. she's not a dreamer. She's a she's a doer. So she's like, we need to find a way to to make that happen. So we went to their concert. We drove all the way to Cleveland and then stayed with my brother overnight, drove back. Drove to Cleveland on on Sunday morning after church, uh, six hours to go to this concert. It was hands down the best concert I've ever been to, because the whole time I was like, I don't want to get over-hyped, like, you know, live music can be, you know, this or that. It was so good. And I, and, and, I, and they were like, oh, we're just going to be hanging out at our merch table afterward. They were the opening act. We didn't stay for the headliner. We just <laughs> went... Sorry, John Mark McMillan. We went <laughs> for literally just the Grey Havens and uh, and and didn't get a chance to meet them because they weren't going to actually do the meet and greet until after the headliner. And we have to drive three hours to Dayton, Ohio, so that we can spend the night with my brother. And it's all, we're already going to get there at midnight, which is an hour later than we promised him. But since that, I'm like, I I even more in love with this band than I was before. My Instagram account, which I had previously created to get into business school, I have now reactivated and have started following (laughs) the band religiously. (laughs) And here's where I'm at, is they posted a thing that's like, hey, we need help with our merch table in Birmingham, Alabama, this Monday, and my insane fevered brain is like, I could get to Birmingham and work the merch table this Monday, which is crazy. Yes, it is. So I'm not going to do that. (laughs) But I am, like, physically restraining myself from signing up for that right as we speak.
2: So if you haven't heard them, you should give them a listen. They're a great band. Scott. Have you been at all of our services in the last year? You have heard them. At At least twice. twice. All right. So what we're going to do here is not totally random um, because in the interest of fairness, I had to make sure that they weren't like, you know, something good and something bad Mm -hmm. because that would be no fun. But they're all pretty like pretty negative would you rather's um, (laughs) I think, Uh, as as most would you rather's are only occasionally do you get a good one. So the way this is going to work is I'm going to give as we normally do with would you rather Toastmasters, I'll give one person one half of. A question, mm-hmm. but then I'll give the other person the other half of a different question, and then the third person will judge. So, Daniel, you're going to be the first judge this week. Max, you are arguing for trying to pogo stick on ice, <laughs> and Bill, you're arguing for losing your memory of the last five years. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> and, <laughs> Daniel, you get to decide who's going first.
1: <laughs> I, Max, you're going first.
0: Look, nothing reaches the kids these days like a good TikTok. Nothing reaches the kids these days like a viral video. Do you know what would go viral? Youth pastor Pogo sticking on ice. Whether it goes well or terribly, everyone's going to watch that. It's going to be like a 12-second clip, and the whole time you're on edge. Is he going to fall? Is he not? And if you nail it, then they're like, that was amazing. Sign me up for the Bible. (laughs) And if you fall, they're like, that was hilarious. Sign me up for the Bible. I see it as a win-win.
3: I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm arguing for losing your memory for the last five years. That's right. Yeah.
0: Daniel losing his memory for the last five years. Oh,
3: Daniel losing his memory. That's right. Yeah. And why that's better
2: than Pogo sticking on ice. That's right.
3: Yes. Well, we can completely wipe out those awful memories from college.
2: <laughs>
3: Who oh wants gosh. to have that in their mind?
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> that's a deep, that's a personal <laughs> cut. <laughs>
1: That's the argument. That's my argument. That's it. <laughs> Would I forget everything I learned though? No. Okay. <laughs> what? <laughs>
3: Why? Not? He, he asked me and I said no. <laughs>
0: that's not We're just fair.
3: removing the hurtful memories. Oh, that's uh, very convenient. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? Take all, all right. the pain out. <laughs> Dr. Bill's amnesia magnesia. <laughs> Just take two doses of this and your bad memories go away.
1: Oh. Mm. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go with the pogo stick. Praise God. <laughs> Mostly <laughs> because those bad memories. Yeah. Help me become a better person today. Mm, Mm. Let's go. Oh, you
3: Christianized it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So far. All right, Max.
2: Let's do it. You're the judge. Yeah. Daniel, you're arguing for, as a 25-year-old, forgetting your entire childhood up to age 15. (laughs) That's a lot of amnesia (laughs) in this. Well, those were the two halves of the same question as you may have pieced together. That's right. As a 25-year-old, forgetting your entire... And childhood up to age 15. I wonder if the assumption is that you're a 25-year-old in both of these scenarios. I guess. I don't know. It's not clear enough. But anyway, in this scenario, you're a 25-year-old forgetting your entire childhood Uh up to age 15. And, Bill, you're arguing for having a social phobia that will never again allow you to look a person directly in the eye. Wow. (laughs) It's important to note Dan Marcello,
0: in a previous Would You Rather, chose to be taught the art of amnesis. That is making other people forget things. He, he chose that he could, if he wanted to, make anybody forget all their memories of him. Well, uh, which is, I don't know. Uh, let's start with. Well,
3: uh, I've forgotten what my part is already. <laughs> Speak to yeah, strikes Marcello.
2: <laughs> You're oh, arguing for having a social phobia that will never again allow you to look a person directly in the eye. Oh, okay. oh. All right, Daniel. When you first? Bring it in. <clears throat> Bring it on.
1: Well, I don't know about you, but middle school is probably one of the roughest time periods of a person's life. Mm. And the thing, I mean, you could go back and be like, oh, you learned stuff from middle school. You don't learn stuff from middle school. <laughs> it's just straight emotional trauma. So, if you learn if you forget all of that all the name calling in elementary school, what? that little Susie pushed you <laughs> on the playground all because you wanted to give her a hug. Mm. You, you forget all of that. Shoot. <clears throat> so, you know what? I think it would be helpful to forget the first 15 years of your life. You got so many years ahead of you. It doesn't really matter if you lose out that first 15.
0: I had a real moment Sorry, of like middle schoolers. <laughs> I was like, I don't have any Heck emotional... with you
3: grandparents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're now dead, but he doesn't remember you. That's <laughs> right. It's like you never lived at all.
0: Mm. Uh, I had a moment of like, I don't have any trauma from elementary school. And then I remembered one thing and I was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe (laughs) there's hope. Bill.
3: All right. This social phobia is actually the way people stay within their culture in Japan, for instance. Hmm. So looking people in the eye is a pretty overrated thing. Hmm. You really only look people in the eye the moment you shake their hand. And then typically you, you look away because you don't want to be getting into one of these defiant stare-down things with people. Mm. So I found in my own life, not looking people in the eye has really helped me. <laughs> I could never look my children
0: in the yeah. eye or my my wife.
2: Yes, Anne. <laughs> okay. uh, Usually I'm,
3: it's too much stimulation when I keep looking people in the eye. It's <laughs> like I'm processing too many <laughs> pieces of data so, so I look away just to collect my thoughts
2: and think about you know that that social experiment where you look someone in the eye for two minutes and you fall in love you never have to worry about falling in love by accident oh thank goodness <laughs> um I I would say it
0: boils down to Daniel's trying to take away my past but I think Bill's trying to take away my future <laughs> yes uh, and for that reason I'm going to go with Daniel I think I'll forget the first 15 years of my life <laughs>
3: Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
0: That's right. I did.
2: I had four more years with my grandmother before she passed away. So I'll be all fine. Right. So Max has one, and Daniel has one. So Bill, you're choosing for all the marbles. Bill, you're the judge. Daniel, you're arguing for ha- having a social phobia that will never again allow you to hug or kiss anyone. Oh ho! Oh. And Max, you're arguing for. <laughs> I love this game. You're arguing for skateboarding down a steep slope covered with sand.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's covered with sand, Max. Yeah, my slope. covered in sand or is a slope.
2: Covered? Such an interpretation. It's not clear.
3: I love the
0: randomized.
2: <laughs> Bill,
0: you get to. Che- Am I going first? Yes, you are. All right. Look. <laughs> I know you're a busy man and you got places to be. And let me tell you what the fastest way to get from point A to point B is, and that's on a skateboard. If you're at the top of the hill, you don't have time to get in a car, put your seatbelt on, you know, put it into first gear, get the parking you forgot the parking brake. Now you gotta put take the parking brake back off, merge into traffic. It would be so much faster. You want to get to the beach, you want to get to the water, you wanna get down to the hot dogs and the popsicles, you just jump on that skateboard, ride your Self, down
1: that hill, right to the beach. The end.
3: (laughs) All right. Take that into consideration.
1: (laughs) You know, I was going to go one way with this, but now Uh uh, Max brought this up. So how many times have you been stuck in a Midwest goodbye loop of just hugging people over (laughs) and over again, going through church services, going through whatnot, and you just hugging people all the time? You would save some time. In some situations, with Max. Mm. Max is one. But if you never are able to hug or kiss somebody ever again, think about how much time you're going to overall save <laughs> in your entire lifetime of not being have to be stuck in this Midwest goodbye loop for hours on end.
3: Yes. I can't imagine never being able to hug or kiss again. <laughs> <at the end. laughs> <laughs> what a curse. So that's not your fault. I, I'm choosing. I'd rather ride the skateboard. We did it. That's a good,
1: that's a good option. Max we,
0: finally won. We did it, listeners. I like, won. <laughs> we can finally stop with the. I was gonna say. So do you want to be remembered as the grandparent who never hugged them? I, I
1: know.
3: It's, or the grandparent
0: uh, that rode a skateboard.
3: Can you imagine it? <laughs> Grandchildren running there. Right no, 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 no.
0: Hey, no, back no, up, kid. Hug, <laughs> hug your. Hug Nancy. <laughs> Very true. Uh, Daniel, give me a number between one and a thousand and one. 264. 264. I like that. Uh, this, of course, comes to us. <laughs> Glen <laughs> <Glenn> Ellen Road. Glen Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> From 1001 Things You Always Want to Know About the Bible but Never Thought to Ask by Wheaton College Master's Graduate. Really? J. Stephen Link. That's true. I got tired of making up facts, so I now have a laundry list of facts about J. Stephen Lang <laughs> that we'll be doling out over the next few episodes. Nice. He is a very fascinating man, but that's, that's your first one. Uh, Second one, listeners don't know what this book looks like. Um, And I'm a little confused. On the front of it, there's some Egyptian hieroglyphs, a picture of a beach, a picture of the pyramids, a man in a turban, Uh, a crown of thorns, and then a picture of Abraham Lincoln. And one of those things is not like the other. So I don't know. uh, I think we've actually done Abraham Lincoln before. I think we have. So I I guess that's convenient. Uh, This comes from the section uh, Sins, Crimes, and Villains, number 264, Jeremiah's Dungeon. Saintly people often end up, ironically, in prison, and this happened often in the Bible. The prophet Jeremiah rattled the establishment by preaching against its sins, and he was in in and out of prison quite often. His worst imprisonment was a dungeon with a floor of muck, and Jeremiah, quote, sank in the mire. Jeremiah 38, six. The prophet was lowered into it with ropes and one of the king's servants persuaded the king to release Jeremiah from the dungeon, but Jeremiah was still kept in prison. Why was, why, why was he lowered? Does anybody remember that specific dungeon incident and why he was put in there? I I assume it's the same reason as, as the rest of them, right?
3: Oh, because they hate his message
0: and his message. the
3: king sent him in there.
0: And this is, what, what was his message at this point?
3: We are going to be overtaken by the Babylonians. This siege is going to end badly for us. Mm. We should wave the white flag and let them take us off to captivity because God will prosper us there instead of here in Jerusalem. Mm. Mm. Man, that was a real unpopular
0: message. Yeah, I bet. Because the the prophecy that I'm most familiar with from Jeremiah, or sort of the command from God, is the one that says, you know, put down roots and find mm-hmm. spouses for your children, and you're going to be here for a while, and your children will, will you know, grow up eating from the the gardens and the the orchards that you plant now, mm-hmm. um, and then that causing a, a big stir. But he was saying that before they even went into exile.
3: <clears throat> yeah. Wow. And, and the pushback was. God is going to protect us. Don't you Mm. believe in God? Yeah. I mean, it puts Jeremiah in a real awkward situation. He's speaking for God, but it looks like they've twisted, well, they have, they've twisted the message to be, you're not trusting God.
0: Mm. We are. Whoa. That's so interesting. Like, how can he tell the difference? I mean, I guess he can tell the difference because the Spirit is speaking to him. How are the people listening to him supposed to tell the difference? Because it seems like a reasonable thing to say, right? Like, we're God's chosen people, you know, Mm -hmm. this is his kingdom or whatever. Like, how dare you prophesy against it?
3: Exactly. And and even though they were very backslidden, which is why they were being taken to exile, they were not obeying the Sabbath years, for instance, it, it just shows how great we get at rationalizing our sins. Hmm. That God has bailed us out in the past. We're more righteous than the Babylonians. He's going to bail us out now. Just watch. In fact, you can watch from this deep well because that's where we're going to drop you.
2: What do you guys think? Well, God makes it pretty clear his his blessing, his protection is part of the covenant, hmm. and they after generations and generations of not following the covenant Hmm. the fact that they could be deluded enough to say like oh yeah god's going to protect us like Mm -hmm. exactly what bill just said just speaks to the depravity of and the 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 level to which we can rationalize things Hmm. you know they they clearly i mean as we look in in the book of kings we see like there's a couple or one instance in particular where they like break out the law and they read it for the first time and like a long time. So these people clearly don't actually know anything about God and who Mm. he is. You know, they're not reading the law. They're not following the law. So, Mm. you know, it's just, it's probably just based off of, you know, kind of this uh, arrogance and, and we're God's special people and God's never going to let anything bad happen to us. He delivered us from Egypt. He'll deliver us from this, I was like, okay, well, y- y- yes, and like, mm-hmm. there's a lot more <laughs> than just God delivering you from Egypt if you read the Pentateuch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little part, and there's a lot more. And yeah. I don't think you're really paying attention to the rest of it.
3: Yeah. It's part of what we have in our society. God mm-hmm. wants me to be happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They were playing that song way back in <laughs> 600 BC. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Daniel. I'm just the imagery of the word, like the miry. Yeah. What what was the phrase? Sank in the mire. Sank in the mire. Yeah. That like, I heard like a sermon by John Piper a while ago and like he was referencing Psalm 40, um, one and two, which like kind of has that same imagery Mm. and that's like what like stood out to me, um, Mm. kind of like going into like, his, his point being in that mm-hmm. in that dungeon and, like, man, would I be able to, like, if I'm in a situation like that, would I, like, be able to be confident yeah. enough? Like, if I'm in this place where I'm kind of, like, going, being, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just, like, not being taken seriously or, like, just, like, being, like, ah,
4: mm-hmm.
1: look at him. He's, yeah. Um. So I was reminded of Psalm 40 one and two, which says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He mm. drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Wow. And that's like one of the the Psalms, like when I'm going through, like mm. whenever I'm going through like a tough, a tough time that like, I find like hope and comfort in yeah. that Psalm. So like when I was having that imagery of him in, the, in that dungeon, like, that this kind of like seeing that even though one like a Christian we could be in that position, mm-hmm. like we still have this hope. We still mm-hmm. we're able to continue on and it's not it seems like a hopeless situation. Yeah. But it's not.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's like from the perspective of somebody who is the one who is carrying that message. Right. Um, whether that means like if we're it's like a teenager in school or somewhere else and like it feels like people are wanting to oh God just like all we have to do is be happy. Mm-hmm. That's that's all that it is. We don't we don't have to worry about anything else. We just we should strive to be happy. Yeah. And anything else is just like bad messaging. Like why would you bring that up? Mm-hmm. Um kind of get cast aside based on like telling truth in mm-hmm. situations and just thinking of Psalm forty and like once John Piper, I can't remember what message it was or what the full message behind it was, but that like passage stood out to me and it's always been kind of this mm. helpful place. So that's when I was thinking of that picture. Yeah. Mm, drew, drew me back to that. Yeah. Yeah. What's crazy about it is like this isn't a
0: Daniel in the lion's den kind of situation where, you know, he was standing up for God in in sort of this mm. culture that was very opposed to God. Like this these these are people who claim to believe in the same God and they're claiming their ancestry. They're mm. like we are his people. Get out of here, right? And and they are the ones who are putting him in prison is yeah. sort of this establishment that claims to also, you know, follow follow him. Mm. And this is conjecture, but I'm interested in in your perspective, like, do you think that the same, you know, leaders and, and like the, you know, I won't get into the false prophets, but like the leaders who are putting jeremiah in chains do you think they truly believed that god was going to save them or do you think that was just like politically expedient to say like do you think they really believed um, that god was on their side and this guy's really like not just bumming me out and getting in the way of my career but like he's actually wrong i think it's both okay
3: mm-hmm. he was in their way but the babylonians were so cruel so mm. wicked They compared themselves to Babylonians instead of comparing themselves to God's standard. Um,
0: Yeah. Well, this was going to (laughs) be a segment later, but it actually kind of uh, connects with what we're talking about now. Um, This came up, uh, came out of of Sermon Roundup a little bit, which we'll get into in a minute. Um, But thinking about, you know, Jacob, Jacob, who is Israel, who is the, you know, the father of this nation. Um, Jacob's kind of the worst, uh, in my opinion, I, he's always driven me crazy. It took me a long time to be like, Oh good. The Bible's not endorsing his behavior. Um, which I think, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up hearing these Bible stories about, you know, you learn about heroes and stuff like that. And then you're like, well, they did all these horrible things. Like, is the Bible saying like, well, that was okay because it was a different time or like, that's okay because of X, Y, and Z. But Mm -hmm. the fact remains, he steals the birthright and the blessing from his brother. He marries a woman, uh, and doesn't. He's like, you're not the one I wanted. You're not pretty enough. So he marries her sister, and then he ends up also marrying their both of his wives' servants. Uh, and then he tricks his uncle into giving him a bunch of livestock and property. Um, and then he plays favorites with one of his 12 sons. And that son becomes a, an absolute brat, and, and God changes his <coughs> heart. And breaks the Israelites out of captivity later and gives them, as they're leaving, they ask for gold from their neighbors and in that way, quote, strip the Egyptians of their wealth. Um, and then they immediately start complaining. And this there's this intense through line of entitlement among the people of God uh, in, in the Old Testament and especially um I mean, especially during this this period, even, like, as we're talking about where they're about to go into exile. Mm-hmm. And it's a very simple question, and I imagine it has a simple answer. But why doesn't God give up on these people? <laughs> like, why does God just, like, keep not—I I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. He When he he tells Moses, he's like— I know the intentions of these people. I can't travel with you or I will destroy you. (laughs) And Moses says, well, you know, if you, if we travel without you, we're, we're toast. And, and God does travel with them in the, the cloud. Um, but like, what is it about God that keeps him from just giving up on them and us? But, but let's start with them.
3: All right. (laughs) It's his infinite patience. Hmm. And he's using the Jews as his example of how you really can trust his covenant. He is going to keep his word. Hmm. He said, you are the apple of my eye to the Jews, and I will not cast you off. You will always have, in this case, David on your throne, his heir, but it, it shows the power of God, the power of God flowing through Moses' life, that he, too, was patient enough to not fall for that test that God gave him. The, the test mm-hmm. was, I'm, you step back, I'm going to wipe them out, and I'm going to make a nation out of you. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a test of Moses. Yeah. It wasn't God um, changing saying, or... oh, you know what, I just kind of lost it there for a few <laughs> minutes. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean that. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And he does resist. Because I mean Moses has got to be. I mean, they're complaining against Moses too. So it must have been tempting for him to be like, Yeah,
3: get rid of these people. Start out with me. I'm awesome. Yeah. Just I think Moses really the temptation would just be just get rid of these people. Get rid <laughs> well, of me too. Just because there was time Moses just said, Will you slay me? I just can't take it anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I one of I just listened to like a series talking about like the character of God using um exodus thirty four <clears throat> which is like um the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed the lord the Lord is a compassionate, and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin, and so on and so forth yeah, um, and that's like right after the new tablets are mm. given to Moses, so it's like just. Moses had to go back up the mountain after all of all of that went down with like the golden calf, all of the Israelites complaining and like wanting to try to take matters into their own hands, and then also like like Moses is gone, like what's up with that? And like doing that again, that complaining, and then Moses figures it all out after like saying no God, like passing that test and then going up getting new tablets, and then that de- declaration of who God is mm. and his character. Um, yeah, slow, that, slow to anger. Yeah. Scott? I'm trying to find something, but I don't know where it
2: is. Scott's
3: trying to find something in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's not
3: searching YouTube. For
2: video. Well, I don't remember where I read this, but I read recently, and I was trying to confirm it. So this might not be right because I couldn't confirm it in the time that I had. But about God, it goes along with what Bill is saying about God testing Moses. And if I'm remembering correctly, what I read was that God comes to Moses more than once and threatens to destroy the Israelites. And the first time, Moses says, "No, no, 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 don't do that." You know, you're, you know, he, he quote unquote convinces him not to. But the second time, and this is what I was trying to find. If I'm remembering correctly, the second time Moses says, like, go for it, Um, I've had enough, basically. And if I remember, I think the point that they were making was that I really wish I could, I don't even remember where I read this, um, but it was this idea that Moses was, like, relinquishing control, like, he wasn't he wasn't standing like in God's place over the people of Israel and be like, no, no, like I'm, I'm taking care of them. Like, it's my job. He was just like, do what you will essentially, Mm -hmm. which is interesting, but it kind of comes. I wish I could actually have found the passages or maybe I'm remembering incorrectly. No, I think Uh, you're
3: remembering correctly. mm -hmm.
2: Last night I was reading (laughs) A.B. Simpson's
3: book, the Holy Spirit also entitled power from on high. And he points out there was this, case where Moses complains it's all on him and God says let's raise up 70 elders and I will share the spirit I will put my spirit upon them too all right sounds great A.B. Simpson has this interesting thought he says he took the spirit of Moses and split it up amongst 71 people. It wasn't like more power was invested in the camp. Mm. I never thought of that before. Mm. Is that really possible? You just think this is just common sense. You're much better with 71 leaders handling roughly 3 million people than one leader. Mm. Uh, So if A.B. Simpson's right... And God really didn't give more power. He simply spread it out. It reminds me of what you're talking about, that maybe that is the passage where he's saying, Mm -hmm. I I just can't take it anymore.
2: Yeah, it could have been. Um, But it's interesting. There's this I may have referenced this book on the podcast before. Uh, There's this book called God is Stranger, which was written by a guy who spoke at the Global Leadership Summit a couple years ago, which is really interesting. Um, I believe each chapter... Is addressing kind of one of these weird passages in the Bible, um, and one of them I think was Abraham and, and God, and Abraham kind of like mm. whittling God down, and and it and I read this a couple of years ago, but I think that one of the main points he was making was like a lot of these instances were it's not God being weird and changing his mind and. Whatever it's it's God testing His people, um, mm-hmm. testing Moses, testing Abraham, and seeing you know where their heart really is. Uh, but to actually answer your question of why did God not destroy the Israelites, um, there was a John Piper sermon that was really cool. Um, that I think I think the Pour Over recommended it. I think that's how I found it. Mm-hmm. But it was about it was about the covenant that God makes with Abraham and. Um, And I I don't, I'm not informed enough and I don't remember enough of all of the ins and outs about how the covenants work. But if I'm, I think the gist of it is when you made a covenant, as God makes with Abraham, you take the animals, I think maybe birds, maybe cows, and you cut them in half and you pass through them. And the symbolism is, may it be to me if I don't fulfill my covenant. It's Mm. like, cut me in half if I don't fulfill my covenant. And the point that John Piper made was the way that this happened with God and Abraham, it was like God passed through, and what God was basically saying was, may it be done to me if you don't keep the covenant hmm. um which i just remember like that's such a cool because that's exactly what happens is well oh, no, god doesn't get cut in half but you know god we abraham and his people they don't keep the covenant and and we as people we as humans like we don't keep the covenant but but god knows that he knew that from the very beginning hmm. and he said may it be done to me if you don't keep the covenant and then he came down as jesus um and hmm. bore the and bore the the punishment in our stead um so why did god deal with them and with everyone because he loves us and because his plan like romans 3 talks about was always this sort of forbearance of judgment so that jesus would come and bear the judgment
0: hmm. um it's time for sermon roundup. Yeehaw. yee-haw!
2: Hey, <laughs> watch out, Scott. <laughs> Bill's taking Bill's a gonna start. have it. My eehaw will always be sad in <laughs> memoriam. <laughs> I was just oh. thinking
3: of Dan Marcello, how he got into that. <laughs> he did.
0: I will remember you. <laughs> uh, this week, Pastor David preached about Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream coat, and specifically talked about Joseph's pursuit of forgiveness uh, over. Bitterness uh, and sort of revenge And it's it's similar to something that Scott and I kind of talked about Last week about the Holy Spirit convicting us to let go Of bitterness um, But uh, but Pastor David said That the first step of that process Is often refusing to be a victim Sort of refusing to blame other people For, for our problems And for our behavior mm. uh, And I want to climb into that thought For uh, just a minute um, In my you know, view, I mean, people are broken, uh, and, and sort of their actions have consequences. And I think we'd agree that our ultimate goal should be to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Um, and so when we are abused or exploited by other people in little or big ways, how does God see us? Like, what is the truth about us when we are victims? Does
2: God see us as, as victims? Makes me think of um, the verse that says Jesus, like, looks out over Jerusalem and, and weeps because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Hmm. Um And I, I think what that means is that he looks at his people and, and just how mired they are in their own sin, and it grieves him. Um, and so I think when he sees us victims of other people's sin and our own sin, it hmm. makes him sad. Hmm because that's not what he wanted for us. That's not the way he made the world. Hmm. So I I think, I don't know if if he like views us as victims per se. And, you know, I think that could have a lot of different kind of connotations, but I think it, I think it grieves him. I think he sees the way that we are hurt and that the world is broken because of our sin and and sins uh, act upon us um, from other people. And I think it makes him, I think it breaks his heart. Hmm. This gets covered
3: very thoroughly in Regen, the Monday night group, Okay. because people have a tendency to say, God's not protecting me. Hmm. I'm being abused. Hmm. I'm being harmed. And I'm going to take vengeance. And the teaching from the Bible that Regen is trumpeting is, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You are called to forgive, not to say, oh, this is okay, mm. I don't mind. Right. Mm-hmm. But that, even if that person's on the other side of the world and you'll never see them again, you need to forgive them and leave the justice to God. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if they're not on the other side of the world, maybe they're in your same home. You still leave the justice to God. You don't get into retaliation and it's it's really heartening because regen makes it very clear, God does not want you to simply lie down and be walked over. Hmm. And yet the vengeance part is not your part. Your part is forgiveness. And if you're the one who's causing the harm, your part is to reconcile, make amends. It's really healthy, really healthy,
1: Mm -hmm. what they're teaching in Regen.
0: Hmm. Daniel, are you looking something up?
1: or? I don't know if I'll be able to find it. Um, Michael Todd um, at Transformation Church did a series like a year ago called Forgiveness University. Yeah um and talked a lot about that and like it was like a really it blessed me a lot going through like a pretty rocky season um and just like learning what forgiveness means um and also was like it's really easy to point and be like oh they need to forgive or this situation for that person they need to forgive and then forgetting to like take that in on ourselves mm. Mm. and forgive and i really like genesis 50 when joseph is doing that because he's he says like am i in the place of god mm. no he's not mm. so like i think that like connects it really well this this idea it's not we're not in the place of god why would we like we should forgive we should forgive mm-hmm. others, um, and Jesus. I think forgiving others is Jesus forgave us. Like mm-hmm. I think those are just two like powerful like ideas at the beginning of the Bible and towards the end of the Bible. It's like our forgiveness <clears throat> is not necessarily rooted in our own ability to forgive, but it's rooted in this ability of realizing that we too have been forgiven because of what Jesus has done. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's just a powerful, like powerful message. And I've been really like wrestling with this idea of like, man, Jesus forgave me while I was like still sinning. Mm. So what does that look like for me to forgive others while they're still sinning against me? Mm -hmm. And like, it doesn't, it doesn't look like letting them walk over you, Mm -hmm. but it like shifts that mindset of like, not just thinking of, the the surface layer of how things are looking but knowing that there's like a deeper reality of everything going on Mm. and trying to let jesus and the holy spirit like in you working through that Mm -hmm. is the only way you're going to get through forgiveness
0: Mm -hmm. um well i mean this was (laughs) you're getting ahead of me which is good uh i love it scott and 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 Bill, I almost called you David, uh, Scott and Bill. Um, we look exactly alike.
4: See <laughs> <where I'm>... <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, you know, uh, one of the things, and, and Scott in, in particular, I think um, a while ago you kind of brought up on the podcast and, and in a staff meeting as well, this idea that, you know, the... the um, pastor of your, of your home church growing up made like a gospel presentation at the end of most of his sermons. And, yeah. um, when it comes to, you know, this story that we, that we heard about on Sunday, like where does that presentation show up here, right? Where does Jesus come out of the story of Joseph? And, uh, obviously Daniel said it a
2: little bit, but, well, I think I'm just going to stop right there and say, if you want to find out, come and listen to David. Uh, <laughs> no, I called him David. <laughs> Bill and Aaron's sermon this weekend, because what I understand is it's going to be a, a significant part of it.
3: Yes, it's the entirety of the sermon. Go on. That we see Jesus clearly in the person of Joseph, hmm. which I'm very excited about because the Old Testament. People get bogged down with Moses and King David, Elijah, that angry God who's telling them to kill everybody in Canaan. And Jesus says in John 5.39, you search the scriptures diligently because you believe that you will find eternal life. Mm. These are the scriptures that testify about me. And what a key to unlock the meaning of the Old Testament, that we're supposed to be seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And I'm very excited about this because until extremely recently, I'd never been able to really get my finger on Jesus in the life of Joseph. I had this suspicion that, you know, Joseph Mm -hmm. seems like there's some common ground here. But I listened to this fabulous sermon by Adrian Rogers, who's now with the Lord, but that man could flat out preach. Mm. He was a great Southern Baptist preacher in Tennessee, and he preached a very long but engaging sermon on Jesus in the life of Joseph. And Aaron and I watched that. And I mean, there were times we were just about ready to cry. It was so powerful. It was Mm -hmm. just so great. So, We've taken a lot of that information and said, "Okay, our church will not listen to a 46-minute-long sermon. <laughs> we would be getting carried off the platform. <laughs> we can do this a, a little differently and, and get it down to hopefully 20 minutes."
0: Huh? Wow!
3: So that's what we're doing,
0: man. Look forward to that. <laughs> No spoilers on this show. Um,
3: <laughs> eh, sermon will be over by the time this plays. No, no.
0: It'll go up on time. All right. That's fine. Definitely.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: Problem. Depends on what I'm doing tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Bill, um, really quick. Did we have a, um, a new members, like... Did we have a membership thing last weekend? Yes. Well, then let's get into Topic of the Week. Topic of the Week this week is brought to you by Family Fall Festival. We value families and being able to share experiences together, so we're excited to offer a time of games, fellowship, face painting, crafts, and more at our Family Fall Festival. Weather permitting, we will be outside for the first portion of the event before transitioning inside where there will be multiple stations set up for your family to visit and do activities together. Stations is in quotes, so I don't know what that means. Uh, dinner will be served at 5 p.m. Worship at 7 p.m. Teens are welcome to stay from 7 to 8 p.m. for a bonfire yep. at the Brown House. Is that true?
1: Bonfire in the Brown House.
0: Bonfire no, in, in the Brown House. Right in there. Oh, that's A lot of books
2: were burned. Mark, Say goodbye to the Brown House. Marsha
1: doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> Night special. Who? Marsha.
0: Marsha is our biggest fan. Fall festival oh. this Saturday. Get, listeners, find Marsha Beard and tell her. <laughs> I love that you listen to the podcast so often. She's been mentioned like three weeks in a row. Uh, Fall Festival this Saturday, November 13th at 3 p.m. I don't have a link for it, uh, but you should come anyway. And that alone should be enough motivation for me to get this podcast up on time. Nancy
3: Calvin's birthday is November 13th. Really? Yeah. Well, then you better come. Shout out a happy birthday to Nancy. Will yeah. she be there? She Probably not. No. But go to the Calvin's Jeez. house on the 13th instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she won't mind. <laughs>
0: uh, for time of the week this week, uh, we, as uh, is becoming the new norm, have spent so much time talking about J. Stephen Lang and Servant Roundup that we don't have a lot of time left, uh, but let's talk very briefly about membership. We just had a membership, yeah. uh, what is it called, like a membership service, a Pu- membership yeah, inauguration? publicly
3: receiving new members into the life of the church. Why become a member of
0: Bloomingdale Church or a church as a whole if... Uh, for example, I st- I kept coming, and I am a member, so I as the royal I uh, <laughs> kept coming, <laughs> or whatever. I guess it's the opposite. So I as the proletariat I, uh, if I keep coming to Bloomingdale Church, I'm involved in all the ministries and all that stuff, but for whatever reason, I'm like, I don't really feel like settling down and getting married to a church. Why... Why become a member of of Bloomingdale Church or any church
2: for that matter? I think. Go on. I think you just hit it on the head because you're you gotta settle down and get married to a church. Hmm. Like it's it's um it's like a it's like a a romantic relationship in a way, you know. Hmm. If you if you aren't committing yourself, you know, obviously you, you got to find the right person. you got to find a person that's honoring to God and, and that, that you are content with. But if you're not committing yourself to them in, in, a, in any kind of like binding way, not that you can't leave after you become a member, but if you're not committing yourself to them, then what's stopping you from just up and leaving when things get hard? Hmm. And, like, and let me be clear, you should not up and leave the church when things get hard. Hmm. That, is, that is the coward's way out because the church is a commitment. It's the body of Christ. And if you just leave when things get hard, you're you're totally removing any responsibility you have from the body of Christ. You're saying, "Ah, that's not my problem. That's the problem of the staff. That's the problem of the institution. That's the problem of those people, whatever." No matter the fact that I've been going here for 4 years straight, it's not my problem. I'm going somewhere else. It's um it's I mean, if you if you can honestly say, like, I'm not going to up and leave when things get hard, and I am fully committed to this church, but I don't want to be a member, like, okay, fine. I mean, maybe. But that's kind of like saying, like, well, I'm going to, you know, I can live with this person because we're going to stay together for the rest of our lives even though we're not married. It's like, yeah, okay, like, hmm. sure, I guess, like, if, you, if you're going to forgo the legal institution of marriage, but, like, what's really going to hold you accountable to that? Hmm. Right. Yeah. Um. So I think it's it's, mm-hmm. you know, the church wasn't meant to just be a well. I'll pass through and I'll I'll get what I want out of it and then I'll be on my way. Like no, like the church is mm-hmm. the body. Like mm. you got to be a part of it. Mm. Uh, otherwise, you're missing out on everything.
3: Mm. Amen. Yeah. I liked it that you said it with force too. Yep. Yeah. Because we live in a consumeristic society, and it's Mm -hmm. really affected people's view of church. That Mm -hmm. I'm coming in here, I'm gonna pick up some music and a sermon, and ooh, there's a Sunday school class for my kids. (laughs) And then if something isn't quite right, it's like, you know, I don't like the taste of this sermon anymore. (laughs) I, I, I saw something better on YouTube. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, this children's Sunday school teacher. Last year's teacher was way better than this year's teacher. My kids complaining now. That's very consumeristic. It's, it's it has yeah. nothing to do with Christianity, mm, right? Mm. Nothing to do with it. Mm. I, I love what Scott said. We really yeah. must be committed, and and there is another side of the church has to be committed to you also. Yeah, yep. mm. but there are things the church needs to follow through with. If you join the church. And the church believed in salvation through Jesus Christ and the virgin birth and the resurrection. And now the church is saying, you know, we really don't believe in the resurrection anymore. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> you, you've got a right to stand up and say, this is wrong. And you might get shouted down. Hmm. And then that leaves you with the alternative. You know, this is not what I signed up for. I signed up for a church that believes the Bible.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: This church doesn't believe in it anymore. I just can't take it. Mm. I don't want to support this. Mm. I don't want my tithes and offerings supporting the falsity Mm -hmm. that's being promulgated. But very few churches at the local level move away from their doctrinal beliefs Mm -hmm. very quickly. It might, might take them two generations, Mm. but, but they can fail you in other ways. And that's where it gets murky. Um, Mm -hmm. we, We can fail a person by not caring in their time of need. Mm. And that doesn't mean you need to rush right out. I think you're way better off to just point it out that, hey, Mm. I was in a time of need. Mm. Nobody reached out to me. What is wrong here? Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you deserve an apology and, sometimes people really do literally fall through the cracks hmm.
4: oh.
3: and it's not intentional. It, it simply happens and everybody's embarrassed by it, but that happens within families too, where families don't come through for each other. And that, that doesn't mean you can change the, your last name just because your family mm-hmm. didn't come through. Hmm.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, Well, for men, I strongly encourage you to go read the chapter, Discipline, The Discipline of Church, in the book uh, Disciplines of a Godly Man by R. Kent Hughes. Really good um, and very convicting. Um, But it's, it's so easy to just, when things aren't quite the right way, you want them to be, even if things are kind of, you know, not necessarily a full abandonment of, of Christian doctrine, but even if things are starting to kind of smell a little weird, like it's so much easier to just leave than it is to stand up and say, This is not right. Hmm. Do you wanna be mm-hmm. the kind of person that leaves or do you wanna be the kind of person that stands up and addresses problems? Hmm. Because like I know the kind of person I wanna be. It's not easy. It's hard. Hmm. But that's part of membership in a church. Like if, if you if you don't want to be a member, you can just you know you, you can just leave. But if you're a member, you know, it, it's a you've you've committed yourself to this church and now mm-hmm. leaving is a much bigger deal mm. and 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 you have a responsibility now to the church of you know when things aren't aren't quite right like how are you, what are you going to do to address them because mm-hmm. the church is the people yeah. right
1: yeah yeah i really like what i'm hearing it's like sometimes i I've heard people ask and like talk about like membership as a church is oh this is just like a weird like undying loyalty of like not speaking anything wrong about Mm -hmm. the church and being like Yeah, I'm a hundred percent gonna just talk good, make sure that the church looks good and everything. And like I'm like one of them. But like that membership being part of the body, then you're able to point out those things that do need adjusted. You're you're part of this family. That everybody has, like, an equal sitting at the table. And, like, if they notice something, they come and say something and have a conversation. It's not just kind of, like, skirting out as soon as, like you guys have been saying, as soon as things get hard. Because if you're, I mean, I working with the teenagers, like, they could go and listen to, like, Bible Project or, like, get some sort of lesson that's infinitely better. Somebody took way more time to like put something together and learning Bible content. They could go and like play fun games somewhere else, but being together, like incarnationally being like Mm. the church, Mm. like the people, those are, those are the moments that like are impactful. Mm. And those are the moments that it's like makes a distinction. Um, there's always going to be better teachers, better this year mm-hmm. or there that you can get and take pieces of and I, I'm I'm guilty of this especially like during with like the vo- virtual church mm-hmm. like coming up like being able to like go and like listen to all these different like churches mm, and like yeah. get this really good content and then like but it's different. It's yeah. disconnected. I was listening to a a sermon on Monday and just like this preacher that i really enjoy listening to and then there's a portion where he's like closing response in a song and like thanks telling everybody to point to the ne- their neighbor and like working on this like there's a song like we're all a part of god's body mm-hmm. that song and like pointing to each other yeah i was sitting at my kitchen table <laughs> all by myself <laughs> i didn't have anybody to point to and that that mm. like in that moment, it, this idea, like, became real. Like,
4: mm-hmm.
1: I'm listening to this sermon, and God's, like... It's edifying me. It's, like, helping me grow and, like, know who God is. But I'm missing out on that incarnational peace. Yeah. So I'm mm-hmm. really glad that I'm able to have that, like... And there are days on Sundays where it's, it could be a little, like, <sighs> size. But yeah. more, more often than not, it's, like, encouraging. I, I walk out of being around people as an introvert and sometimes even like man I'm feel uplifted and just like being with people who know I know they mm. care about me I care about them and it's yeah this this family that is different than anything else anywhere else mm. Mm. yeah
3: so something yeah. that really impacted me was sitting with the lists at our church sure So we have roughly 600 adults in the church. 300 are members, 300 are not. Hmm. You look at the list of names, the one list, the membership list, these people are really impressive. Hmm. They are committed, they give, they serve, they love, they Hmm. care. If you were to put these two lists in a scale, it would be very disparate. Mm. The the membership list is so heavy compared to the non-member list. And seeing that really spoke to me. I thought, my gosh, it's important that people people become members. That's what motivates me to ask people to become members. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: And it's not like, oh, they become weighty people just because they become members no it's it's the process that business of running the bases, mm-hmm. making friends, becoming part of the fabric of the church oh. that does make them way to your people because it takes mm-hmm. commitment and in a church environment, it's a love commitment mm-hmm. in order to keep on keeping on mm, yeah. and so the typical person needs about eighteen months to become a member and and they gain spiritual weight in those 18 months. Mm. It's very impressive.
1: Mm.
3: Very impressive.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I can think of some people in our church who, when I was doing my internship, were starting to come around the church. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then like since coming back, being on staff and working and seeing that them still around, becoming members and like serving. it's yeah. like, it's true. Mm. It's true. And this, this love commitment is like, it means something and i think of Mm -hmm. my parents they're members at their church and i mean like everybody else probably can relate with it it was a tough year and like tensions were high Mm -hmm. and there were a couple times where people said things that like were kind of hurtful Mm -hmm. for my dad and like he stormed out a couple times and but then he was reminded like i'm a member of this church Mm -hmm. i've made this commitment and like Mm -hmm. I care about these people it's almost like this reminder Mm. that like even when those moments are rough that like no I'm a part of this body Mm. and even Mm. though it's rough I'm gonna continue going through because I care about these people Mm. and because we have that bond and that relationship of being part of this this amazing family and I think like seeing the weightiness and how it helps us grow and to serve and use our gifts, as part of the body, and then also like being that reminder of like, I feel like we're a part of something special here. And even when it, it gets rough, it's important to stay mm-hmm. around. I think yeah. those two things are really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've got a, a story.
2: I, I maybe mentioned this kind of thing before, but I think that this is this is probably the most, in in terms of the weight of membership and the significance of it, and like loyalty to a church. Uh, this is probably one of the most the the strongest examples that I have and it's, it's that of, well, my grandparents and Leah's grandparents. I'm going to focus on Leah's grandparents because there's a, an element of that story that I, I'm not hundred percent sure if it applies to my grandparents too. But um, our church has Bloomingdale church hasn't yet experienced a change in in senior pastorship yet you know pastor david's been here for he found at the church planted the church and he's been here since then um obviously that won't always be the case but uh hopefully this kind of thing doesn't happen here but it could and so i i encourage you to, to think of this story if as we look to the future and and uh, maybe this kind of thing happens 30 years down the road in the life of this church who knows so at the church that I grew up in, that my mom grew up in, that my grandparents grew up in, or my grandfather grew up in, uh, at I don't know where in the life of the church this was, maybe 40, 50 years in, uh, or 60 even, um, this guy became the lead pastor. Uh, I think he was a younger guy, and he was not a good pastor. He was power hungry. He was manipulative. He kicked out all of the elders and replaced them with people that young, young guys that were kind of in his camp. He had somewhat questionable, uh, motives or feelings towards some of the young women in the church. One in particular, uh, he was just really, really bad. And my, my family and Leah's family were, were, had been at the church for a while and were, I think, uh, Maybe not at that point, but on the they have been elders, and it's significant. And so this guy, uh, with his sort of posse, vilified uh, our two families to the extent that they actually put Leah's grandfather under church discipline for no reason, no real reason at all, and forbade him from taking communion, wow. which was, wow. I mean, wow. it's not it's not out of bounds for a church to do that but it was totally out of bounds for them to do that in this scenario. Mm-hmm. And he complied. He submitted to the authority that he totally disagreed with in this church. He remained in the church. And eventually this whole thing, it didn't blow over, but it came to a conclusion and this guy was removed from his position and and a new, you know, new pastorship was brought in all this stuff, and all the stuff and there was a happy ending for the church and through that whole thing, Leah's grandparents stayed in the church. Mm-hmm. They stayed under the authority of the church leadership that they strongly disagreed with. They outlived, in terms of the church, that leadership and they went on to remain members of the church until he died a couple years ago, which was, this was like when I was very, very young or maybe not quite born yet. So another... Twenty plus years, twenty five years of membership in the church. Um, So that's that's membership. (laughs) Um, That's what it means. It's it's a real very impressive. It it is. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I. That's the standard that we should all be holding ourselves to. Mm. That we are so committed to this body of Christ that even when the lead pastor is power hungry, manipulative, abusing his position and spiritually abusing us, that somehow we can still say this is my church and i'm going to continue to stand up for what's right and i'm going to do it in the right way hmm. until you know until god's will is brought about what a strong
3: man mm. yeah. you, most people don't have that much inner strength they would yeah. just say i can't take being abused right. in church i i need to be built up not abused yeah man speaks very highly of him as an individual that he was able to do that.
2: Right. Yeah. So that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, hopefully that never happens here. Hopefully if you become a member of this church, you never have to deal with that kind of thing. Right. But that's the kind of thing that, that can happen in good Bible believing churches. Mm -hmm. You know, the wrong guy can come in, Mm -hmm. fool everyone, do damage. And the question is, are you committed to the pastor or are you committed to the church?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think quick little like comparison of like, yeah. I mean, you could look at different like big cases that have been brought, brought up and like, you can see the difference of a church that's committed to the pastor <clears throat> and a church that's committed to the people. Mm-hmm. Like there have been many situations where like pastors are abusing their, their situation, their flock and they leave and there's been sometimes where the church will disperse, right. like overnight. Yeah, they'll just be mm-hmm. gone off the face of the earth. Yeah, like that particular like church gathering. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they'll split. But then there are other churches that like go through that rough transition mm-hmm. and are still like in community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I won't name drop churches, but <laughs> I have to like in mind. Like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like, yeah. seeing like. Yeah, that that is a big difference in, like, how, and I think, like, looking at the membership structure here at our church, it's not, I wouldn't say it's centered around one leader or one person. It's centered around this this family. Mm. feel. You talk to anybody in our church, like, no, it feels like a family. That's something, the mm. first thing I noticed when I came here on my internship. Yeah. And being in that, like, cozy, cozy like, closeness, it, like, it was really, something really special here that we have like, distinctively, like, in Bloomingdale Church that I really appreciate. Yeah. Mm.
3: D.L. Moody said, we need to not only count our converts, but weigh them. Mm. And that goes back to the matter of the members becoming weighty. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It makes me think of uh, what they were saying at the district conference of, um, <clears throat> you know, not asking how many, but asking what kind of Mm-hmm. You know, which I think it can apply to a lot of things, you know, how many members versus what kind of members, how many baptisms or con- converts versus what kind of and how that happened yeah. and small groups and services and you know anything. but Absolutely. Yeah, really looking at the quality mm. of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. If you are a member of this church and there is a problem that you see, right? Going all the way back to like the first thing Bill said about people, you know, being consumers and saying like, well, you know, my kid complains about their Sunday school teacher. Well, I didn't like these, this sermon or, you know, whatever. Like if you are a member of this church and you are invested in, and you see a problem, what is the way, what is the biblical way to, to stay and fight for your church lovingly and, and be part of a family that, that addresses problems?
3: Mm. Well, Matthew eighteen. You, you, first, you would go directly to the person. So, if your child doesn't like their Sunday school teacher, go talk to the Sunday school teacher.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: See what's going on. It, it'll probably surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> it might be something such as, "I I'm only teaching temporarily because." They just needed a teacher so badly. I'm terrible at it. I, I don't. I don't really enjoy this. I'm just trying to hang in there till they get that next person. Well, mm. that really changes things pretty dramatically. Mm. Yeah. And you can say, well,
0: all of a sudden you're praying for that person.
3: You're, you're, yeah, you're praying for them. You're saying, okay, <laughs> we got to pray for the right person to step in. This mm. person's being a hero. They're putting their finger in the dike, and they they admittedly don't know what they're doing.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: If, if you don't like a sermon, just go to the preacher and say, I, I didn't care for that. Um, now, I don't think you should just do that because of one sermon, mm-hmm. unless there was some kind of big controversy within the sermon. So, okay, you didn't like it. Did you? What's your favorite television show? The Office. Do you like every single episode? Is one episode better than another? Well, of course, one episode's better than another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we can do this with Jesus. Mm-hmm. R- really, you look at Jesus' life, and if you're following him, you could say, yeah, he healed that blind man, but yesterday he raised that man from the dead. Maybe he doesn't have the same kind of power he had yesterday. <laughs> you know, maybe it's waning. Whoa. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus is perfect. So yeah. if you can do that with Jesus, you can surely do that with anybody human.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and as a youth director who has, there, there's there been few parents who will let me know. Like if they notice something or they they'll come to me and like either send an email or talk to me. And most of the time it's done in a place where like, they're caring about this Mm -hmm. and like as as a youth director that person coming to me and like saying like hey i really care about this and like here's something i'm noticing like shines a light on a blind spot for me Mm -hmm. sometimes and like if it's done with like gentleness and not trying to just like rip somebody out Mm -hmm. um you like i appreciate that when Mm. i see a parent come up to me and say something like that it's like that parent cares. Hmm. There's probably some parents who have thoughts as well that, like, will never want to bring it up to me and, like, maybe just, like, keep it to themselves and then eventually that'll fester and you don't want that. I don't want that for yeah. either of us. So I appreciate it mm-hmm. when people come up to me and say something like that. Yeah. yeah. Scott? I, I mean... Yeah, Matthew
2: eighteen is what I was gonna say as well. And I don't really see this happening at our church, but if you do that, when you you really should do that first, because if it's an abusive situation but I don't think we have any of those here. Um that's sort of a, a little bit of a different matter. But if it's just mm-hmm. a sort of you know an offense of some sort, then you know, after you brought it to the person, if they you know Either it it keeps happening or they really just kind of in the conversation disregard you or, or blatantly ignore, you know, or whatever. And again, I don't see that happening with anyone here. But if it does happen, then, you know, we've got we've got accountability built into the structure of our church. You know, you can go to the shepherds or if things were really crazy, you could, you could contact the district office. You know, there, there are people that you can go to after (laughs) you go to the, the person who is the offender. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. You know, so you don't, even if, even if you came, you know, let's say it's me, even if you came to me and you said like, you did this thing and it was so hurtful. And I said, ah, buzz off. (laughs) Like, you know, and like, you don't have to at that point be like, oh my gosh, this church is such a mess. Scott told me to buzz off. (laughs) <laughs> he didn't take my concern at all, I'm leaving. Like mm-hmm. you could go to Pastor David or you could go to the shepherd board or, you know, again, the district. Like there's these levels that are, are kind of further and further removed mm-hmm. from yeah. from the actual, you know, nuts and bolts of the thing, yeah. which in some ways makes them safer. And yeah. so, again, mm-hmm. I, I want to stress this. After you've gone to the person, yeah. you know, there's there's also other other modes of recourse too If if that really... Didn't address the issue in yeah. one way or another. Amen. Yeah, Last thought, Daniel.
0: You look like you have one more thing to say.
1: You d- just like if there's an offense like that, you don't want to you don't want to keep it in the dark and like trying to mm-hmm. like do mm-hmm. some sort of plotting, yeah, to like figure it out. You want to you want to get it out there, and that's just like the best the best course of action. Making mm. it clear in an appropriate manner. and I think Matthew Matthew uh, hits the Hammer on the nail? It's the hammer
0: right with a nail. (laughs) (laughs) Boom.
1: I I always get that saying wrong. It's the nail right on the head. Do you use hammers correctly? Uh, No, I have a story about that. (laughs) I have a story about that when I was a little kid, but that might be for another time. Listeners, look forward to that. Listeners, if you'd like to be part of
0: the show, you can send questions, would you rather's, and your guesses as to how Daniel misused a hammer to podcast at BloomingdaleChurch.org. I'm so sorry to our listener mail. That's also going to have to be next week for our closing segment this week. Uh, it is time once again for a game we call Head to Head to Head. Uh, we've got topics here, and you three will take turns telling me one item from the list and the first person to fail, uh, or the last person standing, that is, uh, will get a point. So if you miss one, you're out. Uh, for example, if I said ice cream flavors, Bill would say chocolate. Scott. Vanilla cookies and cream. Daniel's out. that's not a real flavor. <laughs> uh, that's actually not true. I love cookies and cream. I'm sorry cream, and cream is. One I misuse the truth for the sake of a joke. Uh, that's my bad. Uh, let's start. I was told last week. I got some complaints that the, these lists were too easy, <laughs> so we're stepping it up just a bit. We'll see. It's hard to gauge what you guys will be good at and what you won't, so that's I'm fair. hoping true. over the next 50 like episodes, I'm going to zero in on where I'm They I increased
2: in difficulty.
0: I think that's true. Let's start with the books of the Old Testament. Uh, we did books of the New Testament last week, and we blew through it, so let's get started with books of the Old Testament. Um, Daniel. Daniel to <laughs> make me work here Checking <laughs> these off this list Alright, Bill
1: Genesis Exodus Deuteronomy
3: Leviticus
1: <laughs> Numbers <laughs> Joshua Judges Ruth Obadiah
2: First Samuel
1: Second Samuel Second Chronicles
2: <laughs> First Kings Second Kings this
1: is, Isaiah First
2: Chronicles uh, Esther
1: Job Ezra, Nehemiah, Malachi, Psalms, Proverbs, Lamentations, <laughs>
2: Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Jonah, Isaiah. Have we already said Jeremiah? Mm-mm. Okay, Jeremiah. It's coming back to bite you in the butt now. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Incredibly, there is one that we've
1: skipped. Oh, there's one that we skipped. It's probably because my fault because you jumped it. <laughs> oh. No. This is what I get for not, not, not remembering the song when I was little.
0: <sighs> Honestly, I think I think you said Isaiah earlier, and I think Bill just repeated it. I don't think Daniel said Isaiah. We'll check the tape. We won't check the tape. Listeners will keep score at home. Daniel? The pressure's on. I have to. I, I gave three seconds, even though I can edit this all out.
1: <laughs> um, Listeners, we've been waiting for Daniel for 10 minutes
0: He's just sweating bullets minutes.
1: I'm sweating It's like I've been in a shower forever um, All the ones that I've said are just coming to my head Oops Do you
0: know if you said Isaiah? <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm
0: not sure I want to go back and check the tape But it's like it's okay. it's 45 okay. seconds of people's <laughs> listing names I'll just take the L Whoa, taking the, taking L. the L Bill? Can you remember where we left off? <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I don't think we've said Ecclesiastes yet. You said Ecclesiastes. Oh, did I did Well, so much time went by. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we better just start over. We forgot. Well, Haggai. We
0: haven't taken Haggai yet. Haggai. Yeah, and I'm going to say from now on, any repeats is going to count as a miss. That's rude. Well, fine. You're the one who suggested starting over, and I'm not about to do that.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> Ezekiel. Ooh. Hosea. Mm-hmm. Jonah.
0: Jonah has already been said has by it? Daniel. Oh, God. Um, but we have Joel, Amos, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. Are not going to let Bill get a chance to win it? Uh, which one have I
3: not said yet? <laughs> well, I, I knew which ones you hadn't said. There were minor prophets. Zephaniah was one of them.
0: So Bill gets a point. Man, that's so long. It's crazy. I, I think I need to do shorter, more difficult lists because all my lists today are long.
3: Great books of the Western world. I don't, know how I'm gonna, <laughs> I
0: don't know how I'm gonna. I don't know how I'm gonna edit this, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, next, the parables of Jesus. Oh gosh, I'm crazy. Bill, you won, so you go first. But there's no order to these. That's true. Well, crazy. there is. Well, there is. Do you know the order that they come in? No, I have it here actually.
3: So, parables is a little tricky though, because okay. sometimes metaphors get counted as parables. Ooh. Ooh. Well, let's see. Let's start and see where it goes. Right, I'm just gonna go with a safe parable. though. All right,
0: I think that's good for the first <laughs> round. Don't
3: go the big. Prodigal yet. son.
2: Okay. Um, I'm now
3: realizing I've got to find them in this <laughs>
2: giant list <laughs> of like,
3: It should be like 37.
2: Uh, parable of the Sower. Great. Mustard seed. Okay. Pearl of great price. I don't even know what this one would be called, but the lost sheep. Parable of the lost sheep. Yeah.
0: I think well, that's on here <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited To do this And now Now I feel like An idiot <laughs> it's just, And what's worse is All of these are in caps Like they're just All caps So I'm just looking At the word The parable of Like 500 times uh, I'll give I'll just write down Sheep And we'll sort it out Later Daniel um, The listeners Are just pulling Their hair out Of this place. Yeah <laughs> We're so over time <laughs>
1: <laughs> Daniel.
0: <laughs> Three I, seconds Daniel. I
1: forgot all the ones that are already mentioned. Well, that's. The 10 talents.
0: Yeah, I'll give you the
2: talents. The 10 virgins. Okay. God, Scott. So. Uh, does this count? Uh, Lazarus and the rich man? Yes, it does. Uh,
1: Daniel. You keep picking the ones that I have on, like Four. literally the ones in my head, <laughs> and then Scott says it. Sure. All right, Daniel's out. Bill. <laughs> parable of the sower. Uh, I parables has already,
0: already been said by Scott. Hey, I should win this one. Yeah, no. Scott, I got does kicked win out for the last one. for doing that exact same Scott, thing Scott, can time. you can you steal? Can you have one more? Um, yeah, one more in that brain tank. Parable of the sheep and the goats, which uh, is I'm different. Sorry, you've already said sheep, <laughs> uh, but, but that's yeah. right. Jesus only ever says sheep once. <laughs> uh, I'll take sheep and the goats. That is a totally
2: different parable,
0: absolutely. Um, well, uh, here's a here's a list. Our last list is one that's not fun or short. Awesome. Uh, these are the
3: <laughs> good. Bring on the misery.
0: Right. Let's let's do it. I've been to the misery. I Pope. want to apologize to all of us for doing this to us. Uh, cities <laughs> visited by Paul on his three missionary journeys. Oh gosh. Uh, I actually have the <laughs> I have their listings here. They're from the Book of Acts. So
4: this, this is.
2: Is um, where it all falls apart for so me. <laughs>
0: Scotty, you won the last round. I got so many pages of notes today. There it is, uh, Scott. Ephesus. Take, <laughs> once again, literally was thinking
4: <laughs> Ephesus. All
0: right. Um, do you remember which missionary journey that was on? No. Well, it was on multiple. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Not. It was on the second and third. Uh, Daniel. Does Jerusalem count? You want it? Uh, yes, it does. Cool. Incredibly. <laughs> Against all odds, it's the last one on the third missionary journey listed here. Iconium. Can you spell
3: it? Oh, there it is. I see. I got it.
2: Scott. Uh, Thessalonica. I love it. Galatia?
3: It's a region. It's a region. Yeah, we'll count it. It's on this list. Okay. Have we said Corinth yet? No.
2: Would you like to? Yes. (laughs) Scott. Philippi. Great, I have a strategy, but it's fast running out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can guess what your
0: strategy is. I, we've already said Ephesus, so you got to go.
2: Yeah,
1: Athens.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll take Athens. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, he went there. He went there right after my favorite town that he goes to, Berea. That's the one. Oh, where he the one time he goes to them, preaches the message, and they're like. Let's check scripture to see if he's right. And then they're like, yeah, he's right. <laughs> and then the people from the previous town of Thessalonica come after him. They're like, if you're not going to form an angry mob, we'll form an angry mob again.
2: <laughs> Scott. Colossae. Love it.
3: Well, he went out from this place. I'm not sure if they're going to count that as the part of the journey or not, but Antioch.
2: Oh, that's the place Ooh. I was trying to I'll count Antioch. It's on here. I was literally going to say there's a place that begins with an A. <laughs> But I can't think of what it is. So, so he Antioch. sets
0: out from Antioch in Acts 13, but then he visits it again in Acts
2: 18. Okay. I think Pergamum is my guess. Pergamum. you never going to Pergamum. Is that the same thing as Perga? I don't know. Bill? No. Bill
0: no. does uh, not Bill says wow. no. All right. I'll take Scott's. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel. Do we say Lystria? Lystria? Uh, Lystra. yeah. I'll take Lystra. Lystra. Bill. Derby. Derby.
1: I'm going to say this. Hit it. I think it's wrong. All right. Samaria. I'm okay Uh, with
0: it. it, It's going to be a no from me.
3: Bill, (laughs) give me one more. End it all. (laughs) He stopped here. I'm not sure if he'd call a missionary journey Caesarea. It's not on this list. I can give you another Oh,
0: one. wait. Yes, it is. Actually, it is. I'm sorry. It's right here. Caesarea. Found it. x 18, <laughs> 21 to 22. That is all the time that we have this week. I am so sorry to all of us. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Daniel. Thank, Thank you, Max. Max. I promise if I do it again, I'll do it better. I like it. It's I fun. like it. I mean, w- edited. I think the listeners are just going to hear, bam, 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 bam. To oh, us, that true. was like a 10-minute so process. We're going to seem wicked smart. Daniel...
1: Take us the heck home. You have been listening to Bloomingdale Church podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale (laughs) Church Soundcheck. What? All
2: right, sorry. (laughs) He got excited. He got I was excited. so. He got uh, so amped. I'm
0: sad now. <laughs> uh, let's do a sound check. Everyone say sorry, Max. Sorry, Max.
2: Oh, this is the wrong side. Sorry, Max. Sorry, Max. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, now how am I supposed to get hyped, Bill? Can you? Pump me up a little bit.
3: Man, I wish I had a Coca-Cola to hand you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is marketing. (laughs) What, does that amp you up? a Oh, yeah.
3: Whoa. (laughs) In marathon running, they call it jet fuel. It's because (laughs) of the sugar and the caffeine.
0: Wow. Uh, Yeah. Shoot.
3: You you don't drink it with the carbonation in it. You let it go flat. Oh. How much do you drink? I don't drink it because I've gotten off of the sugar, so... That would cause my stomach to go wild.
2: Wow! Right, and that
3: would wipe me out. Because it doesn't
2: seem like it would be that good for you. Oh so no, you wouldn't want to drink that much. It. I would imagine. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Oh
3: yeah, you're not you're not down in like twelve ounces or something. It just like, like four shot. ounces is a typical amount of water to drink. So four ounces of that. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Four ounces of water. How often? Oh, maybe like five, six times during a race.
0: Okay. Do you take it? Do you if you were to do coke? If you were to do coke, <laughs> you, <were> to-
3: <laughs> you save the jet fuel to the end of the race. Dude. Do you you're save not, it for the end? You're not okay. doing that in mile five.
0: Okay, you know. that makes sense. Oh, that's kind of a fun one. It, that ruins my <laughs> joke because my joke was going to be when you drink coke during a race. Do you take it orally or intravenously? Mm. But then I actually said when you do, it, and I'm like, well, there we go. That's do you do coke? <laughs> take it, it I- as a
3: suppository, man. <laughs> 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 Hello, everyone, and welcome to the blooming. Church Podcast.